The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. All right. Uh, everything's good on my end. Things are going well on my end, too. <laughs> God. Hi, and welcome to Backstage Game, and I'm Swamp Daddy. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I live on a corner of the bayou and the swamp lands. Oh, swamp dad. Come on over, I'll slaughter an Anuki beast and tell you your fortune. If I if I'm have I left Earth? Am I on Dagobah <laughs> right now? <laughs> I think well, I certainly just got rid of all the vocal warm ups I just did, so that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh Lord. Swamp Daddy's never coming out again. That's probably for the best. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Backstage Gaming, Dramatics Takes on Your Favorite Games. I'm Chris. I'm Dylan. And we're here to talk about games and theater and acting and all of these things that we pretend to be knowledgeable about sometimes. Um, (laughs) This week's going to be a little bit more chill. Last week, when we did our big deep dive into Iconoclast, we got like very nitty-gritty. We spent a lot of time being... I think it would be perhaps overly generous to us to say that we were meticulous, but you know what I mean. Uh... (laughs) We we did some cold takes. Yeah. Uh so we're gonna we're gonna take it a little more easy this week. We've got a topic that we're just gonna kinda chill and talk about for a little while and hopefully that'll be entertaining enough for y'all. Um Meanwhile, the turkey boy is no more. <laughs> I have shed the turkey boy, and now I am a Christmas tree festooned with Lotkeys. Really? That is are they making you, like, wear a holiday get-up? No, 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 okay. I'm just saying what I feel like in my soul. Okay, um, just had to make we sure. We just, we have, so this is still wild to me, and this is probably not wild to anyone else, but as someone who grew up in a very rural area where there were tree farms everywhere, like, mm-hmm. there were three or four tree farms within an easy drive of the town I grew up in, uh, in, in Michigan, and now I live in Chicago where I don't think they have trees Nope, um, I have not seen a single goddamn tree. Yeah, no. Uh, vegetation is a thing of the past, not the shiny chrome utopia that they have crafted here on the coast of Lake Michigan. Uh, so you have to get your Christmas tree from a grocery store like the one I work at. And people don't seem to understand how trees work. Like okay, there was what a does guy, that mean? There was a guy yesterday who came in and he wanted to buy a Christmas tree and he wanted to buy a Christmas tree stand to go with it, which is all perfectly reasonable. But then he threw a fit because the tree stand was dirty. A note for this, they live outside where the trees are. Oh my god. So he demanded that we, like, hose it off for him. Just wash it, like, put that shit in the <laughs> dishwasher. It's not yeah. that hard. <laughs> I'm with you, but here we are. And then, like... Because it was busy, like it was a Sunday during our peak hours, and he didn't get his tree with the efficiency and speed that he has come to expect, given his position in the world as a mediocre white man. 
Um, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad that that appealed to you. Uh, he demanded a refund, which my store manager at this point was just like, I want you out of my store, so sure, have a $10 refund, you monster. Oh my god. And then he came back later being like, they cut the bottom of the tree crooked, and it won't stand up straight. For any of you who have never put up a Christmas tree in one of those Christmas tree stands... Yes, it is helpful if the bottom of the tree is perfectly flat, but it is also hard to get the bottom of a Christmas tree perfectly flat, which is why they have those, like, bolt things that come in on the side. Yeah, like, you hold it upright, to you, it. Yeah, you hold it upright, tighten it up, and then, like, it doesn't matter if it's flat on the bottom. It'll stand up just fine. You know but what? If guy... you have this many complaints about a dirty Christmas tree stand and a crooked Christmas tree, just get an artificial Christmas tree Like, at this time. point, you're the Grinch. Yeah. Like... This guy might just be the Grinch. Um, but between that and it's also like, you know, as of recording this, I think yesterday was the first day of Hanukkah. Uh, so we're probably going to be releasing after the entirety of Hanukkah is done. Oh, wow. But we have like a holiday catering service that we offer where like, you know, if you've got 20 million relatives coming in for any of the various holidays this time of year, we can do cooking for you. You come pick it up. Uh, it's already cooked. You just have to reheat it, which is great. But... There are several um, people at my store who aren't as up to speed with what's cool vis-a-vis being Jewish. Oh, boy. <laughs> like, nothing can, can bad Can I interject happened. real quick? Yes. I'm sorry. Is it bad that, like, the second you mentioned Hanukkah, the first thing my mind went to was the that one song from Crazy Ex-Girlfriend? <laughs> Good. <laughs> Great show. Go watch Crazy Ex Girlfriend, everybody. After you've listened to our show, I just I just uh, wanted to give that plug. Anyway, continue. I, I appreciate it. But so one of my coworkers was at our like holiday order table, and a customer came in and wanted to know what kind of Hanukkah uh, dishes we had on the menu. Which we don't have like a huge selection of specifically kosher things, but we've got you know a brisket that's wine braised, and we have you know the traditional latkes and applesauce, and like there's stuff on the menu that is geared specifically towards a setting a Hanukkah table. Yeah, that stuff sounds awesome. And the first thing that my coworker suggests when he's asked if we have any Hanukkah dishes is a spiral sliced ham. Okay, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> this person I, clearly doesn't know a lot about the I, uh the Jewish faith. Like I don't want to dunk on this dude cuz it wasn't malicious but like how do you get to be of age to work growing up in america and not like at least pick up through osmosis that like maybe don't recommend pig in this context i don't know what the jewish population density is in chicago but i imagine in in evanston it's pretty high i imagine yeah (laughs) Judging by these spikes in sales we get around, like holiday or holidays like Hanukkah and Rosh Hashanah, uh, like it's it's not small. <laughs> then I don't uh, I don't know what to say to this man. Yeah, like I don't want to put my coworker on blast, but like that was hilarious to me. Luckily, like the the customer took it in stride and was cool with it, but it mm. was it was all I could do not to laugh out loud. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they've started playing the Christmas music, and it's oh oh no, whittling away at my will to live. But I'll so make I, it. I can't remember if um, when I worked at when I worked at Furious Spoon. I don't know if I yeah whatever it's fine. Uh, when I worked at Furious Spoon, I can't remember if we ever heard like Christmas time in Hollis Queens like uh, that Run DMC. <laughs> yes, 
the Tupac Christmas album. Well, I mean, like, because I think that's the only, like, Christmas hip-hop song. Yeah, I can't think of anything else. Like, I mean, like, it's kind of got a monopoly in that area. So I mean, I, like... I mean, the Jay-Z Linkin Park collab always puts me in the holiday spirit. <laughs> well, it has to... It does that for someone, I guess. <laughs> okay. Um... Yeah. Anything else? Anything else new in Cleveland with you, buddy? Um, nothing like major. I. It's funny that we're choosing this topic today because I I rolled a new D and D character yesterday. Um, and Ooh. did a little bit of a of a campaign I'm doing with some friends back home. Nice. And yeah. Uh, yeah thank yeah. you for thank you for pulling the ripcord on my segue. <laughs> um, we we're talking this week about uh tabletop games because. Hey, it's early enough still we can broaden our portfolio. We don't just like video games. We like all kinds of games because we're big nerds. But um, I thought this was a theater podcast. We're going to talk about... A... <laughs> <laughs> we're we're, we're a lo- We are many things. We are, we are mercurial we are experimental. as the sea. We are, we are, we are multi-curious. Yes. Uh, we, are, we are regular renaissance men of being geeks um, we're, we're ready to try a little bit of everything uh yeah but anyway we are both very big tabletop gamers uh we both play in multiple D games together uh if i ever get off my ass and successfully schedule the one that i'm dming ever yeah, again we really need to finish the phantom menace chris yeah <laughs> shut up um <laughs> and we play together in a campaign dm by another one of our friends and uh, I used to, and I'm now getting back into playing a lot of things like Magic: The Gathering. Uh, I don't know, board games and stuff like that is fun, and we're gonna talk a little bit about elements of those that appeal to our sensibilities as actors. And I don't know, just sort of like I said, this is gonna be a little bit more of a chill episode. We don't, I don't have like a thesis statement going into this one. All of our um, material was in the Iconoclast one. It's all downhill from here. <laughs> <laughs> don't say that <laughs> don't take me seriously we just have to get back on our feet um oh snagglepuss we have a guest star you didn't tell me chris <laughs> heavens to Murgatroy! i just rolled a nat 20 we already did uh, this joke i think this, oh, oh god Snag- snagglepuss will be a recurring character <laughs> <laughs> anyway um like i said it's all downhill from here so yeah for those of you who don't know about uh, tabletop gaming outside of like what you've seen on TV and stuff. You've probably heard of things like Dungeons and Dragons, which is kind of the granddaddy at this point. Uh, but tabletop games have been around for a long time. The first ever, at least as far as I have found, game that was like intended to be at least somewhat narrative uh, was actually, it's called Little Wars, and it was published in 1913 by... H.G. Wells, famed author of The Time Machine and uh, and The Invisible Man, like, you know, a bunch of very early sci-fi novels. All very good novels. stories. Uh, he actually created, like, the first role-playing game. It was much more like a, uh, like, tactics-based game, but it sort okay. of paved the groundwork for what came to be known as, like, tabletop gaming outside of the realm of, like, established games like Chess and Go and Stratego and that kind of stuff. That's really um, interesting, because you think it would be, like more of like a writing game type thing or maybe i'm just crazy but yeah it's but i kind of i 
I There's dig a part it. of me that's like, I wonder if H.G. Wells, like, if he knew that, like, this thing he did turned into, like, this huge world of people making stories together. Uh, I wonder how he would feel about that. I'd like to think he'd, he'd, be, he'd be into that. Um, yeah, I would say so. But tabletop gaming has grown into being, like, a pretty huge world of entertainment. There's the big boys like Dungeons & Dragons and its spinoff Pathfinder and then its subsequent spinoff uh, Starfinder, which are very, like... You create a character, and you and your friends live through a story as told by uh, a person playing as, like, the game master. There are also uh, games like uh, Betrayal at the House on the Hill, which are have role-playing elements but are much more like, you sit down and play a session of this game. Um, there's been expansions to, like, card games and all kinds of different stuff. But what I kind of want to talk about this week and what I think will be interesting for us is just sort of talking about, like, how games like this create stories Mm. because the act of playing in one of these games is you know you're taking on a role you're kind of it's literally modern communal storytelling yeah it's acting ish it's improv ish it's like devising ish there's a lot of things that go into making theater that also have a place in playing games like this and i just thought that was kind of an interesting parallel that would make for a nice chill talking podcast i'm gonna take a sip of water now because my mouth is not working i i want to say real quick that players and like players annoy the dungeon master in very much the same way that actors probably annoy directors and stage (laughs) managers i feel like that's a fair statement to say probably (laughs) (laughs) I think the higher stakes of, like, we're putting on a professional production here probably help to dissuade quite as many rampant dick jokes as at what end up in your typical (laughs) session of D&D. But, you know, I've also been in shows where that was not the case. I was about Um, to say, like, you've, you've worked with me. I've worked with you. I've also worked in what was essentially a drag company. So, you know. Yeah, yeah. I think they win. It's a lot. Um... (laughs) <laughs> but oh that reminds me i'm sorry i know we're no, getting off topic again hit but me. uh uh so vrv now has uh boomerang this isn't a paid advertising or anything guys um but uh <laughs> yeah so sponsored i now have access content sponsored content <laughs> um i i now have access to a bunch of old boomerang shows and we were watching scooby-doo and my dad turns to me and says how is chris by the way <laughs> Ray ready? How are you ruined? So plainly making a connection to said show you did with the that was the voice that got me my first ever professional theater job. Yeah. (laughs) So you know that's fun. Um, (laughs) I did a lot of humping on stage for that show. But for a starting point for this episode of discussion, let's just take. The game that arguably started the whole modern trend, Dungeons & Dragons, one of my favorite games to play. Uh, D&D, the basic rules, or not rules so much as like how it typically works for anyone who has not played it. You have one person, they're the Dungeon Master, or Game Master. Game Master sounds less kinky and applies to more games, so we're going to call it Game Master for this this podcast. They come up with a story, or maybe they buy a book that has a pre-written story from Wizards of the Coast in it, 
and they're like, all right, let's 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 play through this story. And they come up with sort of the series of events. Typically, you'll have like a loose structure of like, I want to tell this kind of story or have this kind of experience. And then you have a group of players who all come up with like, I want to play a halfling trickster thief. Donovan, is, is that what halfling? are you going to be playing? Um, I'll be a... I think I'll be a rogue. Who's well, we've got literally just James from Pokemon. We've yes, got a thief uh, and a bard. rogue, so our party will die in the first combat encounter. I meant to say bard, and I know that will still die, but, like, come on, humor me. I just want to be James for, like... I'm here to help you live this dream. Um, Wonderful. So, yeah, a bunch of people sit around a table. They've got the characters they want to be playing as. The game master introduces encounters. Let's call them scenes, because we're actors here. And the group has to find ways through these encounters. Sometimes it's combat, sometimes it's social interactions, sometimes it's puzzles and traps. And through all of this working together, you end up creating a story together. And some, you know, some people are much more into it for the story. Some people prefer just like, you know, I want to hack and slash through a dungeon and fight monsters and right, find right. loot and repeat. And one of the cool things about games like this, there's no wrong way to play them. If you like it and you're having fun and the rest of your group's having fun, then, hey, have fun. That's what it's all about. Unless your uppity players aren't doing what you want them to do. Get back on the railroad, slobs. <laughs> These tracks ain't gonna lay themselves. If uh, if any of my game masters are listening, you guys are all wonderful. <laughs> and... Yeah, we're, we're very sorry. <laughs> Can't um, wait for Dakota to message me next week. <laughs> <laughs> but... One of the things that I think is so interesting is this: there are the stories that happen because the DM plans for them, or the the game master plans for them. There are the stories that it's like, you know, I'm going to play the Dragon Heist adventure that Wizard recently published, which you know has a pretty set structure as far as the events that are going to unfold and the set pieces that are going to happen. But a lot of the interstitial stuff, a lot of the stuff that happens like in the course of actual play, is this really interesting mix of like acting and improv like playing in a game like this isn't pure improv um because there you can't just say yes to everything like that's not how it works there are rules and like i mean you can but you'd be a very you'd be a very difficult player be a very difficult player you'd also be you know not the greatest dungeon master like Mm, when I game yeah. master games, I try to find ways to say yes to everything that my players have. Like I try to, you know, if someone has an idea and there is a way that I can like, okay, I can make that be fruitful towards solving whatever problem you're going for. I will do that because, you know, running into dead ends all the time isn't fun. But there's also things where like, if someone's like, whoa, I'm going to use my uh, step of the wind feature as a monk to double my, du- double my jump distance and then jump to the moon. Like, <laughs> okay, yeah, that's fair. Like, there, there are, there are rules, and there are points where the game is instructing you to say, like, no, we're f- shooting for some semblance of, like, if not realism, at least verisimilitude. Um, All right, edit this out real quick. But like, okay. how cool would it be if it was a Gurren Lagan campaign where, like, oh wait, no, there is a game like that where I guess I guess we can keep this in because there, uh, what's the game where like. After every action you do, the actions have to get more and more ridiculous. I don't know. You you were talking about that one. Or, I mean, uh, isn't that what Johnny Clockwork's from? 
Oh yes. Um, okay. okay. Let's let's transition a little bit. Uh, Sorry, I, no, I know I'm fine. derailing it, but I'm into it. D and D is sort of the granddaddy, and has is what people who care more about games than you should read me uh, would refer to <laughs> as having a very crunchy rule system. Like, there's a lot of rules, there's a lot of numbers, there's a lot there's of a, like yeah, a lot of math. Do things within the parameters. Not to say you don't have a lot of freedom to like try things out. But because there are mechanics for so much that you can do, typically, you know, if you have that mechanic, you can do it. And if you don't, like, that's the opportunity cost that you paid with the choices you made about your character. A huge appeal of Dungeons & Dragons is the feeling of progression. And the game is designed to kind of reflect that numerically, where you're not only progressing the story and you're not only progressing your character, but you're, like the rules of the game are set as such that as you keep playing the game numerically, you become more and more valuable for lack of a better term. Yeah. Um, But then there are systems that have started to crop up that are much, you know, compared to the crunchiness of something like Dungeons and Dragons or Pathfinder uh, are much smoother mechanically. They have a lot less, you know, rules and numbers and are much more focused on, allowing for narrative uh there's one that dylan and i played with some friends in college called spirit of the century Mm. uh which is based on a system called fate i believe yes it's a fate system game yes uh and the premise of this game the fate system is so cool uh you when you create your character you know there's no classes there's no levels really uh you give your character I mean, there are levels, but differently than Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, you come up with sort of like the fantasy of the character you want to play as. Yeah. Uh, the character I rolled for this campaign, uh, it's it's intended, Spirit of the Century in particular is a system that's intended for very like pulp adventure style, like modern swashbuckling kind of storytelling. Um, and I created a character named Johnny Clockwork, who was an <laughs> art thief who had a job go bad, lost an arm and a leg, and had them replaced with, like, a cogwork simulacrum arm and leg. Um, he was a ton of fun. But then once you have your, your fantasy of your character, you come up with different... I can't remember what they're called in the language of the game, but I'm going to call them uh, attributes. Okay. Uh, and so you come up yourself with, like, okay, what is, like, a pithy thing about my character and so for johnny clockwork i had one that i called like how do you work this thing uh and then in the course of play when it's your turn you can use one of your attributes and you like mark it as used to do something that fits in the ballpark of what you were intending with that so how do you use this thing i would use to like introduce some new thing that my arm or leg could do functionally that i hadn't established before so like i would use it to like oh by the way my hand's a grappling hook i'm bionic commando now but then the flip side is the game master can then once you've used it they can like give it back to you but in doing so use it against you so like i was swinging and like i had been grappling hooking for several rounds and then the game master was like okay i'm gonna give you how do you work this thing back and the grappling hook fails and now you're falling through the air what do you do (laughs) <laughs> so it's much more of like a give and take to create elements of storytelling there 
What was your character for that, Dylan? I can't remember. So I was I was actually going to mention this, but yeah. you were already explaining the game. I don't think I actually played that game with you. Um, I I was probably busy with something else because we were in college. Yeah. Uh, so I I didn't play that one. Um, what was the uh somewhere out of the blue? That's what I was that trying to remember. Yes. Um, I can't remember what the name of the game was. It's this the is... one with the Jenga blocks, right? Yes. It is. Dread. This is really great for a podcast. I'll have to talk to the people we played with what the name was, but I think it was called um, Dread. It was called Dread, and it it was this horror themed. Uh, it was this horror themed game where essentially, um, essentially every time you wanted to do an action, you would have to pull a Jenga block from a Jenga tower, and when it toppled, that character died, and then it would reset. And ideally, it was supposed to be this kind of story where you know how in horror movies uh slasher movies in particular you you get down to the lone survivor uh people keep getting killed getting killed getting killed until there's only one person left so that's ideally what we were supposed to have but uh in our campaign we were really good at jenga i guess so we were <laughs> we were we were in like an aliens uh type of situation like xenomorphs uh, specifically dead space that kind of thing and none of us died for that campaign and it was great so that, it, is that is that game intended for like a one session thing it is yeah cool uh we that. yeah we weren't supposed to have more than one session but we were we grew attached to the characters and a story was created why is it called why did you guys call that someday out of the blue because uh, the stars of the show were me and our friend Dakota, and we both loved the road to El Dorado. And because we were the stars of that show, we started singing "Someday Out of the Blue" after the campaign was over because that is our song. <laughs> okay, I was I was wondering if it, I knew it had to be either that or like Colton, our friend who was running this campaign, like pulling a t- like naming it that because he was making it like a Mesoamerican themed slasher flick or something. <laughs> No, not in this case. Um, um, but the cool thing about Dread was that, um, like the game you were talking about, uh, th- our character work was more like about like our character flaws and given circumstances, to use the term from last week. Yeah. Where, uh, hey Dylan, define yes. it for me. Tell me, okay. tell me what that means. So, no, I given love it circumstance- when you talk theater. <laughs> Are you Harley Quinn? <laughs> Don't you want to rev up your Holly, Holly, Mr. J? Vroom, vroom. (laughs) Mr. Um, D? Oh, no. It got worse. (laughs) It got far worse. Anyway, given circumstances are basically everything in a character's life that is relevant to the action of a play or movie or any form of story. So, uh, for me, my given circumstances were I had... I believe I had, like, a wife and daughter back home, and I had, like, some sort of crippling drug addiction to what we called Space Jam, because, of course, we called it Space Jam. <laughs> <laughs> it was, like, a hallucinogenic... I, I gotta uh, slam. <laughs> come on, come on, let me slam. It was, it was, a, it was a, you know, it was a preserved uh, hallucinogenic fruit that I'm I I'm guessing it was just the spice, right? It was the spice, yeah. <laughs> Um, and so, you know, when I was playing, I would have to factor that in as I was making decisions, like, would now be the time where I would have to pull a block and be like, I got, I gotta have the space jam. (laughs) 
it's your yeah. chance get your dance at the space jam uh <laughs> This is this is one of the things that I love about this kind of game is like again there are groups out there playing games like D&D and Pathfinder who are very much like I want to play a hardened adventurer and I want to like you know I'm playing this like a tactical game and I want to make all of the best choices tactically with my character and that's cool if that's how you like to play these games then like rad I'm glad you're out there having fun Exactly I love playing games like this where I am very flawed uh, in the game that I am currently playing with uh, Dylan being DM by this same friend Dakota, uh, I am playing a monk rogue who is very good in combat, but also has a like woefully terrible charisma score. And I have had a lot of fun playing into how bad this guy is in social en- encounters, frequently to the detriment of the party. <laughs> <laughs> And I like, wouldn't say it's that frequent. Not not ter- not like every time, but like, you know, there are groups where that would not be cool. There are groups playing mm-hmm. where like that would not be like the environment and the kind of game that we're looking to play. That is not this group of people, and this is the kind of game that I am very glad <laughs> I have friends that like playing because I think it's fun to like find the flaws with your characters and like be able to sort of, you know you kind of get to play the role of actor and writer all in one and, like, make your own arc as you're figuring out, like, what kind of tactics you like to take as a character in role-playing situations. And, like, yeah. I don't know. I think it's really cool. Um, there's another system I want to talk about because I have not gotten to play a game in it yet, but I have, like, read all the rules because I think it's super awesome. Uh, it is a okay. There's a whole family of games that use a system called Powered by the Apocalypse. Uh they're another. They're fairly smooth. All of the des- decisions are based on a roll of like you roll two six-sided dice, and it's like if you got a six or less, it's a failure. If you get like a seven to nine, I think it is, it's a mixed success. And if you get ten or higher, it's like you did you did it how you wanted to do it. Okay. Um, I really like that system. It's a very it's very clean, and then like you have like different things that you can roll for. So like if you're fighting, you're gonna roll a kick some ass roll. Um, and if you're going to, you know, there's use magic, there's uh, read a bad situation, there's investigate a mystery, there's all these different, like, th- categories that kind of cover all of the different things you could be doing. But it's always just you roll 2d6, you add or subtract whatever your relevant thing is, and you see where you fall. But what I love about it is it is a game in which whenever there's, like, an encounter, there's not a rigid turn order. You just sort of, like, it's up to the players to decide what order things are going to happen in and, like, who's going to go after who. Okay. And the Game Master does not get turns. Okay. Everything the Game Master does is in reaction to the actions taken by the player characters. That's really weird, but really cool, and I'm so about like, that. Yeah, so, like, if if it's a combat encounter, for example, and you roll a kick-some-ass roll and you get, like, a mixed success, and that lets the Game Master, like, choose one thing negative to happen to you as a result of you taking this action, that's then, like, it's not that the creature gets its own turn where it's going to kick your ass, too. You're both going to deal damage to each other, and then the creature's going to get to, like, do something in response, which is a very cool and, like, organic and flowing way of handling uh, encounters like that, and it also leads to, like, very freeform and very, like, dynamic sort of storytelling. Yeah, yeah. The other thing I absolutely love about this system, uh, a pretty standard thing across all 
tabletop RPGs is the idea of, you know, you level up. As the game goes on, you want to feel like your characters are progressing. You're going to get some systems. It's like an experience point system, very much like a video game RPG. Some systems, it's like once you have a certain number of encounters, you get to add certain things onto your character. In the Powered by the Apocalypse games, you mark experience when something you do fails. Okay. You don't get experience points from like winning fights. You can you get... only grow from your failures. Exactly. Or... Okay. Cool. And cool. it's rad because it turns like a botched roll. So yes, you're it encouraged can be... to take more risks. Exactly. You're encouraged to take risks. You're encouraged to try things that might not work, and you know that like you know, as long as it isn't so much of a fuck up that you die, you're gonna be able to cash in those failures and get better. And I just like it's a little thing, but it's a very fun like mechanics as metaphor thing that the game designers did. Yeah, I love that. That's that's good storytelling. Yeah. Um, uh, this I... this system is used in a game called Monster of the Week. That is the system being used in the current iteration of the Adventure Zone podcast done by the McElroy brothers and is also okay. being used in a podcast, an actual play podcast called uh, Unexplored Places that is GM'd by a friend of ours from college uh, who is very cool. And you should go check them out at Unexplored Cast on Twitter and listen to what they do because they do a really fun show. I still need to listen to it. I'm sorry. It's very fun. Uh, (laughs) I believe it. Yeah, it is possible that one or both of us might be doing some some cameo work with them sometime soon. Yeah, so I should really get on that, honestly. Yeah, (laughs) but like also (laughs) still very much in the works, so like who knows? Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's a really fun system. It leads to a lot of very cool like storytelling moments and very cool moments of like earned tension like what i love Mm. about games like this is like because you as a player are like deeply invested in it because you know it's your character and sometimes these games can last for months or years uh like you get a level of tension as someone involved that is like very unique in playing games and even unique in like you know i have had moments playing D that were more tense for me than like any movie i've ever watched Oh, yeah, dude. I, like, because, you know, when someone dies on screen, it's like, oh, man, it's sad. I really like that character. But, like, when a character dies in your party, you're like, oh, no, nothing will ever be the same. See, what was it a couple sessions ago when Gloom got uh, brain dead? Oh, my God. (laughs) That was, okay, so uh, Gloom is the name of Chris's character. And we, 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 we are in this dungeon and I don't know the name of the monster. You're going to have to help me Intellect out. Intellect Devourers. Thank you. They're brains just... on feet. We were in a legit, like, horror movie scenario. Like Met- one of Metroid just... Prime uh, horror lab. <laughs> I didn't want to say it because I didn't want to take away from tabletop games today. But yeah, it was very <laughs> Metroid Prime. Uh, and it just jumped out, attacked Gloom, and instantly brain dead yep (laughs) which led to like a frantic chase scene like me on another party member's back unconscious trying to get me to someone who's flinging spells at this abomination being like what the hell is that like Like, god i love (laughs) he got better yeah i i i I got fixed there was a, a kindly old horseman who was able to fix my brain um but like you get moments that, like, you know, were they happening in real life would be 
incredible as like film or TV action set pieces, but like you're getting to make them happen and like the outcome is so uncertain. Um, I also think just kind of this came into my head because I was talking about like the adventure zone and unexplored places, the rise of like tabletop gaming as consumable entertainment is like Mm. fascinating that's a very interesting topic. I feel like that's worthy of its own. That's probably worthy of its own episode. I just want to, like... Like, because, you know, there's things like... There's Critical Role, which, for anyone who doesn't know, is, like, a big D&D stream featuring a whole bunch of, like, very prolific and very talented voice actors. Um, and there's things like uh, The Adventure Zone, which is another big podcast. It was originally, D- originally D&D. Now it's Monster of the Week. And this has sort of given rise to a whole world of what are called actual play podcasts, meaning it's just, you know, a group of people sitting around and playing a game. And I think, you know, I think we'll probably come and do, like, a whole episode on this, because, like, Mm. with a little bit more time to think about it, I could probably come up with something interesting to say. Right, right. (laughs) But I'm, I'm fascinated with it by just, like, on the one hand, I think it's super cool because it's, you know, spreading awareness of tabletop gaming as a thing that is out there and i you know yeah i'm never gonna gatekeep i want more people to like the things that i like because that means more people making the things that i like so no it dilutes the scene or whatever no true gamer whatever no like (laughs) why are you scottish okay but on the other hand the there is the risk of like if your only experience of dungeons and dragons is watching critical role playing Dungeons and Dragons might be disappointing because like odds are good you're not going to be playing with like a team of incredible professional actors with really good chemistry. <laughs> so like I mean and then there's also like the daunting task of learning how to play. Yeah, like which again, I think more awareness and like being able to consume it, like being able to listen to especially thinking about like the Adventure Zone when they started out, several of them had never played Dungeons and Dragons before. So right. there was, like, a learning curve involved with them in making the show, which I think is very cool, and I think it would be really cool to see other podcasts sort of take absolute beginners like that. Because um, it is it is daunting, and you kind of need to have, you know, the friend who knows the rules to make a stab at a lot of these games. Uh, I actually spent about an hour before we recorded today uh, mm-hmm. on Skype with our friend Brennan because he's getting prepped to DM his first D&D campaign, and he wanted my advice on getting things set up for it, which was oh, very Oh, shit, fun. I can't wait to play that. It's going to be really cool. I'm not going to spoil anything because he like he sent me like his outline for what he's doing, but I'm like very, very down and very into it. Um, I like that this podcast is these two fucks talk about games that you're never going to get to play. No, but you can play it. No, you, you can play d and I'm just talking about, like, specifically, like, this is what we did playing D&D. Or... Yeah, but, like, I think that's what's so cool about it, and that's why, like, I have never met someone who played D&D and didn't like it. I know several people, like my girlfriend, for instance, who did not like it right away, <laughs> but, <laughs> like... And then she just started saying she liked it. No, yeah, I mean, honestly, she's probably just humoring me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but... There's something about, like, being a part of a storytelling experience that is very interesting and very uh, investing. I feel like there's probably another whole episode on, like, improv in D&D, and there's probably another episode on, like, uh, devised storytelling in D&D. Well, I actually wanted to uh, bring up 
not tabletop game, but it is a role-playing game. Hit um, me. I wanted to touch on murder mysteries a little bit. Oh, yes. So uh, I only ever who... went to one, and it was during a sad time of my life, so I'm going to let oh, you my take God. driver's seat on this. Oh, no. All right. Well, I guess it's Dylan's turn to talk about games today. <laughs> uh, so anyway, uh, murder mysteries are... They're a bit of a they're they're kind of a LARPing thing, live action role play. Uh and essentially this is a little hard to explain in its entirety, but what it is essentially is that you are assigned a role and you are given goals and you go up you, you walk into this simulated event. So for example, you are in a casino yeah. and the one I went to was on a cruise ship, I think. Okay, yeah, like casino, cruise ship, um, the reading of someone's will, possibly. Um, whatever the event is, uh, you you are given kind of a, a sheet of like what your character is, what you want to accomplish by the end of the night. Your objective. Yes, and your relationship to some other uh, players who will be playing. Given circumstances. Yes, given circumstances, ob- objective, all that good stuff. I'm the sexy and, voice of the theater. <laughs> and so, you know, you show up to the, the party, and, you know, if if we're doing our jobs correctly, uh, there will be snacks and drinks, and it, <laughs> it will be like a party, but you're also pretending to be someone else, and you're trying to obtain something. And so the, the staff at the murder mystery will all be in character, and they will... You know, they they will progress the story yeah, when it needs of, to progress. They sort at, like, of guide the they guide the events forward. And so, when you essentially like say ten fifteen minutes into the party, after you've kind of met everyone and you know who's playing who, you uh, get an announcement that there is a dead body, and now people need, and now there's going to be an investigation into who killed the person, and you know. That might be your objective. That might not be your objective. Maybe you're the you murderer. You might be the murderer. And yeah, so your objective might be to do X, X, and X other things and get out. Yeah. Maybe, maybe you, you are have nothing to do with the murder. Maybe you're like in the casino because you're planning a heist and now you need to get out before you're implicated. Maybe. Wasn't there one where like, I remember hearing stories uh, from you guys about like somebody who yeah. was like an art baron. <laughs> I think that was Dakota. Probably. I think that was, yeah, yeah. Uh, that was the first game we played. I think Dakota was an art thief or something. <laughs> and, you know, he's he's schmoozing with everyone. He's, uh, he's wooing ladies left and right. And, you know, then at the end of the game, he, he made all of his goals, made off with a bunch of art, a bunch of money, um, made off with the heiress of the man who died. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh... Wasn't the murderer? You don't. You can't really win murder mysteries. Dakota won that murder mystery. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dakota's really good at these kinds of games, guys. We should we should have him on sometime. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like this is another example of like it strides an interesting line where it's like it's not quite improv because there are like these boundaries in which you're working. Like you you I have an objective. I would say even in improv. Or at least in some forms of improv, you are given, like, these are the things that are your character. Yeah, now, but a lot of those come, act. like, you know, there are different schools of improv. Uh, yeah. But 
a lot of the time, you know, you you get a suggestion of like a place or a relationship or something, but then from there, you don't frequently start out with a like, and this is what you're trying to do because the whole goal of improv is to see like where the scene ends up going as you just riff off of each other. So it's not quite improv, but it's also, you know, you, there's also no script, so there's a lot more improvisation mm. to it than acting, but you still have that, like, idea of, like, you've got your objective that you're trying to go for. They're very fun. Uh, like yeah. I said, the only one I ever went to, like, I did not have the best time, but that was due to a lot of extraneous, ex- extraneous circumstances in my life at the time. <laughs> yeah, but I'm I'm really sorry to hear that, buddy. Yeah. Uh, we should We should see if there's any in Chicago, and maybe next time I'm in town. That'd be fun. Yeah, we can I would be organize down. one. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, I just I wanted to talk about that really briefly because I think the the cool thing about murder mysteries and all of the role playing games that we have just mentioned is kind of like what Chris said, where we are, you know, there are obvious rules set in place, but those rules are for the purpose of telling a story. But I yep. think the cool thing about these games are. It's a story where the teller is also the audience. Yeah. Like and that is a unique thing to these role-playing games. Yeah. Um I don't know. I don't really have much else to add. Like I said, I if nothing else this this has got me thinking about like a lot more like actual topics in this vein. Uh Right, right. But again, my my goal this week, you know, we did a big hard thinky episode last week. I kind of wanted to decompress. I am also very busy this week uh, with mm. my day job, so I wanted something that wasn't going to be a huge editing hassle. Uh, no, I got you. But, yeah, thank you guys for joining us as we sort of ramble about games that we like and sort of point point at theater terms every now and then. Um, <laughs> I don't know, I think, that's, I think that's a strong foundation for this podcast. Yeah. Uh, anything <laughs> else you want to add before we go to our thank yous, my friend? Um, Not really, no. I, I think this is this was a simple and clean podcast. Yeah. Or episode rather. Simple and clean. Uh that's a song that I can't that, I was gonna make a joke and then it wasn't that was, there. It was intentional. <laughs> we said the same thing yesterday, but not yet. Or you know what I mean. But yeah, thank you everyone for coming and listening. Uh sorry that this one wasn't more like here's our story that we're here to tell you. But I hope you had fun nonetheless. Maybe you learned something new, maybe you learned about a new game that you want to go out and try, you know? Tabletop games are fun and they're social. They're getting friends together and having a good time. Um, and you speaking reminded of friends, me to not listen to one but two podcasts. Yeah. Well, okay, I've listened to a bit of the Adventure Zone, but like not a lot. Listen so. to more of it. Also, yeah, check out Unexplored Cast because it's really fun. Um, but speaking of friends, thank you, all my friends out there on the internet, my my website friends, for listening to yet another episode of the Adventure Zone. Or- <laughs> <laughs> you did not. <laughs> Hi everybody, I'm Griffin McElroy. <laughs> your dungeon master, your best friend, and your fraud. Uh, <laughs> thank you everyone for listening to another episode of Backstage Gaming. This has been a ton of fun. This has been our seventh episode. We've been doing this for like almost two months, my dude. That's really weird. That's, wow, yeah. More than two months if you consider that we started recording before we started releasing. So like, what? Uh, um, I, I remember seeing a post once where... Uh, let's do a podcast is the equivalent of let's start a band. And, <laughs> you know, for what it's worth, I feel like we've lasted longer than... A lot of those experiments. Um, yeah. <laughs> and we're just going to keep on going. Uh, so thank you to all of you for listening. Thank you for sharing. Uh, 
You can find us on Tumblr, Twitter. Well, Tumblr might be dead. Uh, yeah, I was about <laughs> to say, I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do the Tumblr thing, but I, I saw Verizon stock just plummet because <laughs> of uh, certain Tumblr-related news Whoopsie. that dropped today. Um, so, but yeah, we're on, you can find us on Tumblr, on Twitter, on Facebook, on YouTube, on Instagram, all by searching Backstage Gaming. Uh, let everyone that you know, know about the show, if you think that they'd be into what we were putting out there. And please feel free to tweet about us using the hashtag BSGpod, help us grow that brand. Yo, if you like the artwork we have up on our site, you can thank our friend Brennan French. Um, if you like his art, like I just said... (laughs) You can check out his Squarespace, brennanfrench.squarespace.com. That is B-R-E-N-N-E-N hyphen French dot squarespace.com. And thank you, as always, to our friend BioQuery for the use of our theme song, Dot Sound Radio Volume 1 Instrumentality. That and all of his other really cool music can be found at soundcloud.com slash bioquery. That's soundcloud.com slash bioquery. And feel free to visit our website. It's bsgpod.com. We've got our episodes. We've got bios. I'm working on sections for things like uh, supplementary reading with, like, the scenes we did last week for Iconoclast. I'm working on a section for a glossary for, like, all the weird terms we keep throwing at you. Um... But, yeah, check us out there. You can download our podcast directly from the source. We upload every Monday. I set the upload time for, like, 2.30 in the morning, just so it will be there when you wake up, hopefully. Um, That was kind of you. Yeah. I can't think of anything else to say, so I'm not going to say anything else, except thank you for listening to Backstage Gaming. and And we will talk to you again next week. See ya. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I giggled at my own joke. <laughs>